Hello, everybody. Welcome back into the Cheese Sticks in the Summer Hollow podcast. It's been a long time uh, since uh, you have heard our voices, uh, but we're back here after uh, a little bit of a break after the Eagles season got us a little bit rejuvenated heading here into the offseason and, of course, the stretch run of the Flyers and Sixers season uh, while we also uh, patiently wait for the MLB lockout to end and spring training to eventually begin. But Austin, it's been uh, an eventful two weeks in sports uh, since we last talked. Uh, but before that, uh, how you've been over the last two weeks? You know, what's crazy. Unfortunately for me, I, I might actually have my own injury for uh, when it comes to sports. I played basketball for a whole 30 seconds, literally about two and a half weeks ago. And uh, I messed up my knee, Dill. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's how sports have been. You know, it kind of coincides with, I know the, the Sixers had a little bit of a um, hiccup there for a little bit while Embiid was out with COVID. Um so that's kind of how it's been with me. And the Flyers yeah. are the Flyers. Are you listing yourself as a day-to-day or week-to-week? Here? Uh, well, you know, I told my friends in our basketball uh, uh, group chat, I told them that per Adrian Wojnarowski, team doctors uh, listed me as week-to-week. So Week-to-week. Yeah, it's a mild, according to team doctors, it's mild. It's a mild strain. There you go. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that is quite the injury. I today, uh, ended up in a ditch cause somebody <laughs> coming off on two Oh two, uh, just like the all state commercial, right? Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, I'm fine. The car is mostly fine. A little bit of messed up suspension, not suspension, uh, alignment off it. And I'll find out the total damages tomorrow, but, uh, by the time this podcast goes up, but, uh, yeah, so that was my Monday, um, morning uh and afternoon because uh called triple a and it took me three went from one hour to almost uh three and a half hours to get a tow um but that is what it is i'm good i'm alive the car is mostly fine that's all that matters um i'm sure karma will get uh the person who coming off eventually but i mean like i said there's been a lot that's happened in sports over the last two weeks let's get right into it we got quite a bit to talk about here and uh we are recurring this pretty late so don't want to have it go on forever, but let's start with the NFL, Austin. Obviously, last time we talked, uh, it was the uh, end of the Eagles season after the loss to Tampa Bay in the wild card. Uh, but since then, we've had arguably two of the greatest weeks in NFL postseason history with uh, six football games that have been some of the most competitive entertainment football playoff football games we have seen in a long long time yeah that bills game that bills chiefs game i mean instant classic yeah that was that was incredible i mean i i don't know how you feel when you're when you're josh allen you know you score with 13 seconds left in the game and just like that you lose you know tyreek hill takes a ball all the way down the field it's it's incredible um and it has stirred up a lot of conversation with the overtime rule. Yeah. Um, Where do you stand that? So I'm on the side of just both teams get the ball. I know a lot of people don't like that because of the, yeah. of the, well, you play defense, just stop them. I get it. But like, 
to me, it's kind of like in the NHL, you know, you don't, you have the shootout all regular season. Playoffs come, you don't have a shootout. Yeah. Why? Because it's a dumb way to decide a game. So what I'm thinking is all regular season, go for it. First team to score wins. I understand this is a grueling game and you don't want games to go on forever. Make it a eight minute overtime, something like that. And end of regulation or end of the quarter. I just, yeah, I think I saw a stat. It's just like of the 11 games, 11 postseason games that have gone to overtime, with this rule, 10 of them, the team that has gotten the ball first has won the game with the touchdown. Yeah. I, I suddenly uh, saw that stat, and I think they mentioned – yeah, yeah, they mentioned it, I think, at the top at the top of the overtime in uh, uh, Chiefs-Bengals on Sunday was uh, 11 teams, uh, home teams or whatever, uh, have won on – have won – in overtime in the playoffs and 10 of them came on the first possession. I think that's exactly what you said there. Um, I, I know a lot of people have said it should be like the college game. And I, I agree in the sense that I think it should be in the college game that, it, like you said, both teams get opportunities to um, score because yes, you can just, you know, quote unquote, stop them. But I mean, that's also easier said than done. I, I just What's feel like Kevin, I was going to say, it's easier said than done, too. Like, when you first do the first opening kickoff, right? When you do the first coin toss, they haven't played a full game yet. Yeah. Now you're going to ask the defense to stop a team after you just played 60 minutes. Yep. (laughs) It's a totally different game. It it absolutely is. And I just, it seems a little ridiculous that... A touchdown on the first drive ends the game, but a field goal doesn't and gives the opposition a chance to score. Just have it be if the first team scores a touchdown and the opposition, you know, comes back down and doesn't score, that's it. And if the first team get just give both teams at least one possession. If one team has the lead after that, so be it. If not, then go to sudden death. I mean, that or shorten the overtime period or overtime period, overtime quarter to whatever one, or keep it 15 minutes and just play a full another quarter. And whoever's yeah. winning after that, go do that. And, and I think this is like, specific, is and specifically uh, like the playoffs, like, like, like I mentioned with uh, hockey who no one cares, you know, like people care. Yeah. That uh, you know that the shootout is kind of stupid. Specifically, Flyers fans yeah. hate the shootout. But you're not going to do a shootout to decide a playoff game. No. So if that's you know the NFL could kind of adapt that and say, well, we're not going to let one possession dictate a playoff football game, especially when if you go look at the NFL rules now, the rules favorite the offense anyway. So hypothetically, it is easier to score than play defense in the first place the way the NFL is set up now in 2020. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. 
Um, but beyond the overtime, I, I think the one big thing we've seen the last two weeks, and tell me if you agree or disagree here, is for a while there was the argument um, that you could win a Super Bowl with a average quarterback to maybe slightly above average quarterback. But I feel what the last couple of weeks have shown is you need that elite, maybe not elite, but at least an above average quarterback to have a chance to win and say his game. Well, let's look at the final 16, uh, four teams here. Um, Patrick Mahomes, top five quarterback, the best quarterback in the league. Um, Joe Burrow, probably already a top five quarterback. Um, Stafford, not top five, but top 10 quarterback. Jimmy G, below average quarterback. You're muted. You're muted. Uh, he's the anomaly, just like Falls and uh, Trent Dilfer. You know, there's always that one. Yep. Case Keenum. Yep. Case Keenum was yep. the same thing in 17. He's... He's good enough to get you to a big game, but he's not good enough to win you. The, the reason they lost that game, yes, they dropped a, an interception there. Dude, I couldn't believe but, they dropped that interception, by the way. But Jimmy G is just as big of a reason they lost that game. They stood no chance on that final drive because Jimmy G is on a below-average below quarterback. Well, and-, and that final play was some Carson Wentz type <laughs> shoot. I said that the second I watched him throw that ball. Switched to the other hand and just chucked it. But um, the funny thing about that play is like as soon as I saw him go <laughs> the backhand to chuck it, I'm like, oh why in the hell are you? And yeah. then I saw him get intercepted. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah you, you deserve that for Megan. Such a stupid pass. Well, and here's the funniest part, too. You know, like, there have been talks like, oh, Jimmy G's on the block anyway. You know, like, should the Eagles be interested? And if if you think he's an upgrade of Jalen Hurts, you're just flat out wrong. The year the 49ers went to the Super Bowl, remember the one divisional game he threw, I think it was what, like eight passes? Yeah. They literally That's ran the ball. Raheem Mostert had like 200 yards. Yeah, Jimmy G is trash. It, I mean, there's another way to put it. He's trash. I mean, and Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts isn't a is he? He's never going to be a fantastic quarterback. I'm I'm going to be honest. Uh, he he's not making some Josh Allen type leaps here in the future. He could be still a good quarterback, but at the same time. I think Jalen Hurts is easily, compared to the rest of the league, an above-average quarterback when you look at the entire league because he is better than the Jimmy G's of the world. Uh, and, I mean, we went through the list a couple uh, last episode, perhaps, or two episodes ago. There's only 12, 13, 14, somewhere in that range, quarterbacks in the league right now that we would take over Jalen Hurts. Which says something about the the lack of parity at the quarterback position in the NFL right now. But yeah, you're either a top tier or you're not at this point. And I and I had to tie all this in because I I was going to bring it up later, but 
go back to having an elite quarterback and so on and so forth. Uh, the other, the one other big news that came out this weekend is, was Adam Schefter reported that Tom Brady is going to be retiring. Now, obviously, as of Monday night at 1040, uh, Brady has not announced retirement. I do not expect him to announce a retirement before he gets his $15 million bonus in a week or two. Um, but with Brady retiring, this opens up uh, a huge window on NFC for almost any team to really step in and challenge the Rams, I guess, yeah. to be the top team in the NFC. And you look at the Eagles. There are some holes on defense that they have to fill, but they are for, they can be filled. You have a young running back room that has a ton of talent, uh, as long as they stay healthy. You have a a true number one wide receiver who, depending on who you go out in free agency and can get, would be an elite number two. And you have what should be one of the top offensive, offensive lines in football next year. The Eagles have an opportunity to have a two- to three-year window here to compete again for a Super Bowl if they have the right quarterback, in my opinion, and can add some pieces on defense Mm -hmm. and another wide receiver. Um, I'm not saying they should be Super Bowl contenders, but I can see a realistic scenario where if you can find a way to get an elite quarterback, whether that's through a trade or the draft, that – they have a window here now that Brady is retired uh, to compete again because I really do think Sirianni is a really good head coach. And, I mean, you look at the advanced stats about uh, wide receivers being open when targeted. The Eagles are near the top of that, which means th- this isn't a Nick Sirianni game plan issue for the Eagles. A lot of it comes back down to that Jalen Hurts just didn't make improvements that he needs to make specifically in being a one-read quarterback and not having the vision needed to be a true above-average quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, and it brings up the question that has been brought up probably a million times is, is Hurts the guy? You know, and the names keep popping up of Russell Wilson and, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson and those guys and are the Eagles in a position to where you're comfortable giving up assets to go get a guy like that? Well, I mean, I personally am not because if you look at the team, you need two defensive linemen, a, a corner or two, if you want to prepare for Slay and his contract being done. You need a safety. No, you need two safeties. You need two linebackers. You need another receiver. Um if Jason Kelsey retires, you need yep. his replacement. Miles Sanders' contract is up after next year. Probably won't re-sign him. You know, like there are so many holes on this team that I don't think it's a this year thing to do to push the chips in on a quarterback like that. I, I and I, I, I do agree to a degree there. I think my biggest thing is Go I on. wouldn't mind trading for a guy like Russ, but at the same point, I do mind of what the value the value is for Russ. I, I yeah, can't like trade. if it's a fir- a first and something and something, sure. Sure. I can't but do I, two. I, 
I can't do two. I can't do two in this draft. Like I, I cannot trade two first round picks in this draft, and absolutely cannot do three draft picks. Whether it's all this class or all this draft, yeah, and next draft or whatever, uh, absolutely not. It's because this draft alone, you can get the replacement for Kelsey. You can get a linebacker, and you can get a corner. Meanwhile, in free and a wide receiver, if you want. Yeah, or or you can sign. I mean, look at the receiver. We've talked about the receivers and the safeties and the corners that are available in the you know in free agency. You know, there are yep. very good guys that are available. So yep. if you address a couple of those needs in the in the off season, and then the remaining ones, which I'm assuming offensive line is definitely a draft type of need. I mean, right there, the team is built. If you're comfortable with where the team is at that point, then yeah, after that, go push the chips in for the quarterback that you want. That being said, based off what we've seen the last two weeks, because I mean, if you even look at the final eight teams, Josh Allen, top five quarterback, Tom Brady retiring, but top five quarterback, um, or, yeah, top five quarterback. We're going to have top five spots. So, with Brady, you would knock Joe Burrow down or Herbert down one spot because um, I think both are potentially top five quarterbacks. Um, who else was left? Um, Herbert. Or, oh, you're saying in the playoffs? Two weeks, yeah, two weeks ago. Um, you had. Was the Raiders game only last? Okay, Derek Carr. Yeah. Not a top five quarterback, but Derek Carr. He gets Derek top Carr 12? gets a lot of shit, but he's a top twelve quarterback, borderline top ten. You look at his numbers; no, they're not great, but the dude has a. I'm pretty sure a pretty strong uh, completion percentage. You no, know? he's got and he's got he does have that above arm that above average arm that people do love talking about um, when it comes to quarterback position. And I know Jalen Hurts. And, and he's done it. with mostly a crap roster in Las Vegas slash open his entire career. And didn't have Darren Waller all season, by the way. And then he lost his number one wide receiver, number two wide receiver this year because his number two wide receiver is an asshole. Yeah. But, I mean, not that I would want Derek Carr, but just saying. I think uh, I think Derek Carr gets a lot of crap that he doesn't deserve. <laughs> He's a perfectly fine quarterback yeah. for the NFL. Um, and then uh, who else was – am I missing anybody? I don't – Oh, Tannehill. Tannehill. Yeah, T- Tannehill's at the average. He's average. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's but, proven it in the last couple of years that he he's good enough to get you to the playoffs, but, I mean, he can't win you a game. He just can't. But we also saw in the last two weeks that just because you have an elite quarterback doesn't mean you win. Look at Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers has no help around him uh, outside Devon, Devonta, Devon, well, out of uh, outside Devonta and um, um, Alan Lazard. If you want to count Alan Lazard, and, and obviously AJ Dillon and for uh, Aaron, Aaron Jones, Jones. Uh-huh. but. He still doesn't have enough to get it done, mostly by himself. Because, um, yeah, Devonte is one of the greatest wide receivers of the last twenty years. But even the greatest wide receivers can't do it all themselves with just their quarterback. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and now credit San Francisco. Domingo Ryan's just did Fantastic. a tremendous job as their DC this year. Is I think a bigger, obviously the bigger reason for their success compared to that offense. I think offensively, Kyle Shanahan is one of the most overrated coaches in the entire league. Um, but outside of that, uh, it shows a little bit of both that you need only you need a very good quarterback, but mm-hmm. you need more than just a good quarterback. Unfortunately, I think what we've seen over the last few weeks may cause the Eagles to yeah. think that they have a window. Now, especially with Brady retiring, and if Rodgers ends up going to Denver, Denver for yeah. some, I mean, then the NFC is really wide open. And to me, that's going to cause them to say, hey, we can make a run here. Let's go get a quarterback, whether that's in the draft or whether that's going to trade for a guy like Russ Watson, so on and so forth. Yeah, I don't want them to make a decision like just because, like you said, oh, they're seeing a guy like like Josh, how Josh Allen was or Mahomes, you know, that these guys are willing these teams to win. Because, I mean, look at look at the, the Rams, for example. The Rams yeah. are the most talented team on paper. You know, they're they have Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald. Cooper Cup had almost two thousand yards receiving. They added Odell. You know, like yeah. their offensive line's fantastic. You know, they're they should be a Super Bowl team. And sure. you know, you look at the teams like Mahomes and the Josh Allen and you say, Oh, they're there because they have a top tier quarterback. And like you mentioned, Matt Stafford's a top 10, but he's not top five. But yeah. because that team is built so well, they can afford to have a guy who's top 10 and they're yeah. going to consistently make it to the playoffs. Especially and deep. And I think the Rams are the best proof of you need that at least very good quarterback because they went from Jared Goff, uh-huh. a below average quarterback. Oh, you look at it. I I didn't compare the stats, but I'm sure over the general stats weren't hugely different. But even if they were, my point is here is you're not upgrading from golf to Stafford for the extra however many yards or touchdowns of my regular season. You're upgrading them for when you're in the fourth quarter of the NFC championship game and you need to make one or two drives to go take the lead and get to the Super Bowl or even more so go into the Super Bowl and make a late game winning drive. That's what you're getting these top quarterbacks for. We saw it. In, and, and that's to me what solidified Joe Burrow this weekend as a top five quarterback is Joe Burrow was down 18 points now to a bad Kansas City defense, but 18 points to Andy Reid, a Hall of Fame head coach, Patrick Mahomes, a future Hall of Fame quarterback, and came back with a tremendous second half to beat the best team in football over the last four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and that's what is, makes the difference between a good quarterback and above average quarterback and elite quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, so I I just think the what we've seen in the last few weeks is is going to almost cause the Eagles to be like, hey, we have a shot here. Let's go 
go make some noise. Yeah. Um, outside of that, outside that, overall, I'm generally excited for the uh, Super Bowl matchup between Cincinnati and LA. This was the one matchup I wanted. Uh, big fan of Joe Burrow, and I think Zach Taylor's done a very good job with Cincinnati this year. On the other hand, um, I'm not a big fan of the Rams per se overall. I, I think McVay is overrated as a head coach. Still a very good head coach, but I think he's not this genius that everybody makes him out to be. Um, I mean, he gets in his own way. Like he, which, he's a very which some good... will say is because he's a genius and geniuses tend to overthink things. But but like for example, you know, like his schemes are very good. But then you look at uh, Sunday's game and. He had zero timeouts going in the fourth quarter. You know, like yeah, it's inexcusable. Yeah, you like, and you saw this against in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. He like panics or something, and like you know, like we mentioned, he overthinks it, and next thing you know, they don't look like the same Rams team. And yeah, it's, and it's kind of like, dude, like you're supposed to be this. You know, you're supposedly, like you said, this genius head coach, offensive mind, and yet here you are, like, making dumb decisions. Yeah, absolutely. It's And that's what really does uh, stand out to me. And um, the other thing that stands out to me is, yes, his offense still puts up plenty of points. I mean, this playoffs, these playoffs, they've put up 34-30 before 20, but they put up 20 in this conference championship game. Um, last year in the division, they put up 18 against the Packers. Four years ago, yeah, well, four years ago already, they put up three in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. It's good if you can put up 30 points, but what's concerning me for Sean McVay is in two of the biggest games of his coaching career, his offenses have struggled mildly. And I know you went up against Bill Belichick, one of the greatest defensive minds, and D'Amico Ryans, an up-and-coming defensive mind, uh, at least in terms of coordinator. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're this offensive genius, you need to find a way to put up more than three and 20 points in the biggest two of the biggest games of your coaching career. And better yet, Nick Foles was able to do it the year before. You know, Nick Foles put up 41 points against that same exact Patriots defense. With less talent, I would say. Yeah. So, the fact that Nick Foles was able to do it and Sean McVay's offense couldn't, you know, like it, I don't know. I, you know, there were reports that like McVay, you know, did like, the night before, like he kind of psyched himself out, sure. Um, which may, you know, it kind of makes sense, but I mean, yeah, it seems like a common pattern. But going back to the Super Bowl, I mean, I'm excited to see the Bengals because I mean, they've been so bad for the last couple years that it's kind of like yeah. good for them, like good for you. I'm so yeah, happy for you, and yeah. and Joe Burrow's so, like he he's very likable. Yeah, there's been a a tough three-week stretch for me in the playoffs because three of my favorite quarterbacks all played each other in the last two weeks. I mean, if you ask me right now who's my favorite quarterbacks in the NFL, 
It's probably a bandwagon answer, but it, it is Mahomes, Allen, and Burrow. They're my three favorite to watch. Um, and one, we are in for a treat over the next decade or so of quarterback play. I mean, Burrow, like we said, Mahomes, Allen, not Herbert, even the magic guys like Kyler, Justin, Kyler uh, Lamar, and don't count out Trevor Lawrence just yet either. Yeah. Um, Maybe Justin yeah. Fields. Like, yeah, the, we, we have no yeah. idea about this quarterback class. Exactly. So I'm excited just for the next 10 years overall of quarterback play because uh, while we're never going to get Manning and Brady again, I feel like we're going to get some pretty good matchups over the next decade. Um, now, last thing on McVay, I, I don't want our listeners to get the wrong idea. I think McVay is still, you know, top uh, – top 10 head coach in the game. Uh, I just, I think he gets a little bit too much love for being this genius when in some of the biggest games of his career, his, his offenses have come up short. Now credit to him this week. They, this past week, they, they came up big when it mattered. Um, and overall in the playoffs, his teams have played well, but uh, at the, when, when it comes to the playoffs at the end of the day, the only game people remember is going to be the one that your final game of the season mm-hmm. and how, and whether it was win or loss and how many points you put up in the process. Yeah. Um, other than that, uh, I'm looking forward to this one. I think I'm going to be rooting for Joe Burrow yeah. uh, and the Bengals, but it would be uh, nice I to see Stafford uh, win it. By yeah. the way. You know, he's, I, I mean, I, he's endured the lions for way too long. Yeah. I, and, and that's why I would be okay with, um, with the Rams. I'm not a big fan of pretty much anybody else on that team, but, um, I guess Cooper cup, maybe right. Cooper cups, Cooper cups, fine. Yeah. Like Odell, um, it'll be torturous. Kind of like, and, and I, I've had I a love hate Odell. Yeah. I know a lot of people don't like Aaron Donald and think he's a dirty player, which, yeah, he makes some questionable plays here and there, but overall, uh, I, I think it'd be cool to see Donald get one as well. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I could care less if Jalen Ramsey uh, wins one. Uh, though Jalen Ramsey, obviously, one of I the mean, best. He, I was going to say, he might be one of the – yeah, he might be one of the best. He just rubs me the wrong way sometimes. He can, but, I mean, that's always how the um, cornerback position yep. has tended to be. Look at Dion, you know. Like, that's just how it is. Um, I guess the final – uh, Eagles like slash NFL news is uh, Brandon Brooks uh, retired the same day the Flyers had their disastrous press conference. Yeah, um, which we're about to get into after this. Yeah, the um, I I think people saw it kind of coming. You know, the poor the poor yeah. dude has had what a torn Achilles, a torn ACL. Did he tear his other yeah, Achilles? Been, yeah, he's just been so beat up over the mm-hmm. last. Uh, a couple of years that this was, uh, he probably could have given. I, I'm not sure how old he is off the top of my head, but he could have given it a couple more years, sure. But I mean, this yeah, very, his body was telling him shut it down. Yeah, I mean, it, it reminds me of what Marshawn Lynch said a couple of years ago. You got to take care of your care, take care of your chicken, take care of your mentals. Yeah. Um, so I mean, and, and that's what it comes down to. I mean, at some point, you have to say. Enough is enough, and would you rather play football for another two, three years, or would you rather still be able to walk when you're 
40. Right. I mean, or 50 or 60. Yeah. Because for, I mean, a lot of football players, by the time they get to that age, they, they have so much trouble mm-hmm. with just everyday things. Yeah, and it'll be it'll be interesting uh, for the Eagles. You know, say they could move Sam Milo to right guard and Dickerson to left, or vice versa. Yeah. But um, I mean, Sam Molly's had his own kind of stint with injuries. So and same yeah. with Driscoll. So it'll be interesting to see how the Eagles do attack the not not to mention Jason Kelsey potentially retiring. So it'll be very interesting to see how the Eagles attack the offensive line moving forward i would just like to say one thing and it's it's nothing really do with brandon brooks uh as an individual but more so as a whole is uh i don't think we as a fan base really like we we always talked about but i'm not sure we really realized what we had for that year a couple year span when four of the starting five offensive linemen any given week for the eagles were uh jason peters Jason Kelsey, Brandon Brooks, and Lane Johnson. I mean, uh, Jason Peters is a future Hall of Famer. He's one of the best tackles in the history of the game. Jason Kelsey, after this latest uh, all-pro selection, is going to be a Hall of Fame center. Brandon Brooks, when healthy, was a Hall of Fame-level talent. And Lane Johnson, if he continues his career path, is going to be a Hall of Fame yeah. right tackle. The Eagles had potentially three legitimate Hall of Famers on their offensive line at one time, and a fourth who, if he would have stayed healthy for his career, yeah. could have been a Hall of Famer himself. And that's not even to mention guys like Sayamalu and Wisniewski and so on and so forth who filled in over the years and did a really damn good job at the same time. Not not all Hall of Fame talents, but still very good backups. And you and you have to give uh, Stoutland credit because when Brendan oh, Brooks absolutely. when Brendan Brooks first got here, he was he was an above average uh, lineman. He wasn't the level he became, yeah. but he was he was yeah. above average. And people were like, "Oh, okay, like that's that's a fine signing." And then, you know, the dude allowed, like, what, like three sacks his entire time here in Philly? Yeah. And I and I, I don't want people to think that I'm saying Brandon Brooks was going to be a Hall of Famer if he stayed healthy. But, I mean, when the dude was on his game and at his best, he was legitimately one of the top five guys at his position, which, which is probably a little bit of a better way to talk about that group is when they were all healthy, the Eagles legitimately had – a top offensive line, yeah. To a, a, a top three to five offensive linemen at four of the five positions on the offensive line. Yeah. Just unheard of in ever and things we may never see again. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. Uh, Landon Dickerson looks like a beast. Yeah. You know, I mean, Landon Dickerson I, looks like a beast. Jordan Mailata already looked I mean, incredible from where he was. You know, obviously there's things he's got to work on, but those two are good pieces. While Lane Johnson, you know, is still chugging along here, it's it's nice to know that you can at least count on those three. You just got to fill those next two pieces, and we'll see probably one of them be taken in this next draft. 
Yeah, it, it's an. Ex- I'm still excited to see what the offensive line can do here in the upcoming uh, months uh, and years. Because uh, even though we're losing some, uh, I mean, legitimate Hall of Fame, Hall of Famers. I mean, Jason Peters, uh, potentially Jason Kelsey, and uh, I don't think Lane's anywhere close to retirement. But I mean, you never know with NFL players these days. Um, so I'm just gonna enjoy any time we have left of Kelsey and Lane Johnson and. Uh, because because we, we may never see this run of offensive linemen again. And I know uh, the Eagles have now had top-tier offensive linemen for what feels like our whole life. But it the run is going to end one day, and it's, it's going to be sad. Yeah, probably. Well, hopefully not. But it seems like, you know, when Stoutland re- eventually retires or moves on, that, that might be the case. But uh, I mean, right now we're in good hands. We were worried that Stoutland might move on. Um, you know, this past off yeah. season, but yeah, we'll, we'll have to still wait and see, I guess anything's still possible. I mean, if he loses Jason Kelsey, does he decide to hang it up with, I mean, three of his five guys now gone. I mean, maybe I, it, it depends how long Lane has left. I can see him wait until Lane retires. Yeah. Um, that would be that would be nice. Like they kind of ride off to the sunset together. Yeah, I, I don't think. Thankfully, I see Lane Johnson as one of those guys that, if it comes to a time where he's like not good enough, uh, and his contract's too big, I can see a Brandon Brooks situation where he'd rather retire mm-hmm. than go play elsewhere. Because um, and I want Lane Johnson to be uh, yeah an all time like always yeah like. I don't have one yet, but I'm seriously concerned buying a Lane Johnson jersey. Yeah, which is weird because, like, that's not the case anymore. You know, you almost never buy jerseys yeah. because everyone flip-flops teams so often. But but I feel like Lane Johnson is one of the few safe players you can get uh, of current of current Eagles. Both him and um, yeah, Kelsey. But, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. But let's move on to uh, that disastrous press conference you were alluding oh, to God. a little bit earlier. Um, the Flyers last week on uh, what was it? Wednesday. What, Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. Wednesday had yeah same day as Brand- same time as Brandon Brooks retirement press conference. Um, had a their midseason uh, state of the team, and there's a lot to cover here. Um, we all we do have Sixers still on the docket here, so we'll see if we get to that today. Maybe we'll make that its own episode, um, but. With the Flyers, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know where you want to start with this because this press conference had a little bit of everything. They did, um, which, I mean, going into it, I, I kind of had a feeling it was going to be a disaster. You know, they um, yeah. they once again kind of blamed injuries for yeah. why this is all crap. You know, yeah. um, I mean, to and and to their own point, they are missing Couturier, Hayes, sure. uh, Ellis, long term. Farabee uh, hurt once again. Um, yep. You know, they need to get so, healthy. So it is fair. It is fair an assessment that yeah. uh, that injuries have, without a doubt, played a huge part in the disappointment of the season. However, I mean. Let's let's just take out the three of Couturier, 
let's take out two, Farabee and Katerde, because Kevin Hayes in the beginning of the season was hurt as well. If you if you go back to the beginning of the season, Ryan Ellis plays like three games, gets hurt. Kevin Hayes is already out. Those two yeah. guys should not have the impact on the team that they did. Correct. You know, and and unfortunately, you're seeing that Provorov is not a top defenseman. He's he's yeah. a good number two or a good second line defenseman. He's He's just not the number one defenseman you you had always hoped. But a single guy in Ryan Ellis should not be the make or break for a team. 100% agree. And their their issue with – and every team deals with injuries. So to blame injuries for the way this is happening, it it just doesn't work. It's a a cheap – it's cheap is what it is. Yeah. And um, it just, it, that would be, it would be one thing if like the team was playing well and you can see, you could see just mm-hmm. that like the talent, well, with the talent obviously isn't there, but if it was at least being competitive and losing, but Injuries aren't the reason you've lost two. You've had two ten-plus game losing streaks. No, injuries no. aren't the reason you're you're struggling to put out a competitive lineup any given night, even against some of the worst teams in the NHL. Um, it th- this season has been a complete disaster and a joke of a season, and quite frankly, embarrassing. I mean. I don't want to say it's embarrassing to be a Flyers fan, but I'm not going to lie. I'm somebody who usually tries to watch as much, as many Flyers games as possible. And this season, I just haven't had the urge to because every time, uh, it, every time I tune in, they're doing something stupid or they're blowing late leads like in the same exact way every game and it's definitely some insanity at this point well and you bring up a point you know of of just the team itself and the construction of it and charlie o'connor did make a great he he asked dave scott uh surprisingly was there and he flat out asked dave scott he said quote dave a few minutes ago you said chuck was your guy why do you have confidence that Chuck is the right guy to spearhead this? End quote. And Dave Scott replied, I like the way he's built this organization. I've worked with predecessors. I like Chuck's style. I think he's collaborative. I like what we did going into the season. On paper, it looked really solid. Look, injuries happen. No excuses, but it did happen. I think we have more than anybody I've seen I just saw the numbers and we're right at the top. End quote. So I I understand that you like that it's a more collaborative effort than what the predecessors had done. I understand that. However, here's the thing. You like the moves initially when Chuck made them, but guess what? They didn't work. They didn't work. And there's only one person you can look at because this was the season we were pushing the chips in. Go get Ryan Ellis. Go get Ristolainen. And yep. the team should be better. Guess what? It didn't work. 
that is on Chuck. Not one bit. Not one bit. And and I understand. You know, you look at the player pool that the Flyers have and the prospects, and they just haven't seen the turnout. And whether you you want to blame Ron Hextall or if you want to blame the personnel department and player development, go for it. You can blame any of them. But at the end of the day, Chuck made these moves and they didn't work. He signed JVR. It didn't work. Every move he's made hasn't worked. The the only one I would say that I have been okay with is been uh, surprisingly the Ristolainen trade. Yeah, and he's it, been he's been better than what people were saying he was in Buffalo, which is a solid number two, uh, second pair defenseman. Yeah, I mean, is he a lead? Absolutely not, but he, he's done a he's done a considerably decent job for the Flyers this year. And it, what what kind of sucks for him is, I I do think he's done a great job this year. But unfortunately for him, uh, the Flyers are going to obviously have to pay him here this offseason. And no matter what, the they're going to get shit for whatever they give him because it's going to have to be too much because of the assets they gave up for him. And just in today's game, players are getting more money than ever. But he's going to get a massive contract, but he Nobody's going to like it because of how big it's going to have to be. And I don't even know and, if they'll do it because not necessarily they, but he's been on two shit teams now. Yep. Why? I mean, does he want to be a part of another exactly. potentially bad team for, I mean, another five uh, years or whatever he wants to sign yeah. for? Exactly. And now the, now the Flyers obviously don't think they're in a situation where they're going to um, be rebuilding for five years here. But, I mean, at the same time, I I just – and they said they don't want to bottom out. But at the same time, I just don't see how they're possibly going to win or rebuild here. Yeah, let me find that quote real quick because it was was mind-boggling to me. Um yeah, the Flyers mentioned or someone asked about I think it was Charlie asked about bottoming out and if the Flyers were going to bottom out. And Chuck yeah. and Chuck Fletcher said the easiest way to get top end talent is through the draft. Historically that's been proven year after year. Bottoming out, I don't think that's what we feel we need to do. I do believe we have a we have good pieces. Realistically, players like Couturier and Ellis are going to come back at some point, and when they come back, we are a significantly better hockey team. But we need to take advantage of the opportunities that we do have in the draft. We have to look at the trades, and you can always supplement your roster in free agency. Look, we need more top-end talent, and the draft is the easiest way but we're not going to trade all 20 players on our team and try to get 15 picks every year. I don't think that's the right approach. So hold on. You recognize you don't have top-end talent, but you also recognize the easiest way to acquire that talent 
is bottoming out. Now, I do think part of this is the Flyers don't want to show their hand just flat out. Absolutely. So because if you say, Absolutely. yeah, we're going to we're going to bottom out, then teams aren't going to offer you anything for anyone. No, and they, and they shouldn't. They absolutely shouldn't. I just, yeah, I just, if if you hear that quote and you and initially you go, oh well, that just means they're they're not even gonna trade anyone. No, they're they're looking to trade people. You know, guys yep. on the one year deal, Ristolainen, Justin Braun, Martin Jones, yep. guys like that. Yep. Uh, Claude Giroux, they did say is they're open to do it. They, he didn't deny that, but Claude yeah. has to waive his no movement clause, which if you're Giroux, I don't know why you wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I, I get he wants to be a lifelong flyer, but here's what you do. Claude, go get your cup, go to Colorado, go to Tampa, go to wherever you want, go get the cup. And guess what? Come resign back here. Yep. You're doing everyone a favor. I I 100% agree with you. I I think the most baffling part of all this, and you may have touched on him, I I forget honestly, but um, the Fletcher named his core of Sean Couturier, Kevin Hayes, Farabee, and Ellis. Now he didn't say we're going to build around this core directly, but he basically said this is our core that we're going to build around. Uh, which, okay, I mean, Couturier, sure. Um, Farabee, Hayes is kind of aging and is injured and has never really been a consistently great player. But you're contractually obligated. Yeah, and then Ellis is, will he ever be healthy again? Which, I mean, to be fair, like with Ryan Ellis, his initial injuries, like the uh, the one last year, was a fluke injury. You know, it was a broken knuckle. Yeah, yeah. Like that's what's frustrating is like most of his injuries aren't like oh it's like he you know tore his hamstring or something like that. They're like he took a slap shot last year from Patrick Line to the sure. knuckle of all places. Yeah. This one, it's just a literally nobody knows. Yeah, I uh, it's and it's kind of what's frustrating about the Flyers this year as mm-hmm. well. But I mean, out of so is Hart not part of your core? Is Provorov not part of your core? I can understand Provorov. I said it to you before we went on air here. If they traded Provorov tomorrow, I wouldn't be hugely upset. I'd be a little upset because of what the potential once was, mm-hmm. but. He's obviously not the guy that we once thought he was. If he goes down to a second-line guy, I think he'd be better. But if they want to trade him for other pieces, it's fine. Maybe replace him with Cam York next year and hope Cam York's that guy. But still, where's 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 Hart? And is are you giving up on Frost already? Like, I mean, which by the way, he's the last couple of games he's actually played pretty well too. I know he was struggling, but he he's actually looked pretty decent with Gary Mayhew of all people. But yeah, it, it was interesting that they left Hart off of there. I don't know if they meant to. Like to me, it was just yeah. a oh, let's just rattle off a few names. Yeah, but um, absolutely. 
Yeah, Hart. I mean, Hart should have been the no-brainer. Let's list him. Um, there have been some reports that Provorov might be on the block, and I think they, you know, for how old Provorov is and all that, you could probably get something decent for him. Oh, I think you absolutely could still get really good value for Provorov. But um, it's not ideal because then you already need another defenseman, and doing that would just set you back again uh, with the defense. But, yeah, it's, I mean, at this point, what is the, like, I understand that's the core, but the frustrating part I think fans have is you, you name that core, but then you look at, Teams like Colorado, who have a core of McKinnon, McCarr, Landis Cog, Rantanen, you know, or even Tampa Bay, who has Stamkos, Point, Kucherov. Yeah, our core is not even close to any of those cores. No, no, it's not. Um, yeah, the Flyers, despite the aggressive retool that they say they're going to do, I mean, I just. Yeah, blank check from become, Dave Scott too. By the way, yeah, that. But and here's the thing about Dave Scott. That's the stupid money. That's the Flyers version of stupid money. Dave, Dave Scott is in a crappy situation because let's be honest. If if hockey had no salary cap, the Flyers would very, legitimately be one of the top teams in the NHL right now because Comcast has a lot of money. Comcast would give the Flyers money to throw at people, and they would be fine. But the problem is, is Dave Scott's kind of in a bad situation. Not that he helps himself, which is his biggest <laughs> issue, is that he doesn't. But he's in a tough situation because he legitimately has nothing he can actually do to improve the the team to accept firing Chuck Fletcher. I mean, he um, did say they put a lot of uh, recently money into player development. Sure. And, and and he can't control that type of stuff. But it, it's not like he has much he can control with the on-ice product. Because um, at the end of the day, I mean, the Flyers still have to stay within the salary cap mm-hmm. uh, uh, rules. He also so, admitted he doesn't really know much about hockey. Like, he's a classic yeah. business guy, which doesn't help the cause either. Like he no, and with, yeah. he's just like the face for Comcast, and that's why people hate Dave Scott because you know, like people want to hate something for why they're so bad. But if you look at like every thing now, like not many teams are owned by a guy. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's why I I do think Dave Scott does not help himself. I think he does hurt his himself quite a bit when he speaks. Uh, but at the same point, like I I have my is I have my words with the Flyers and being owned by Comcast because I, I feel like having a corporate ownership means less like Yeah, it feels less personable. Less personable, yeah. But at the same time, like it's hockey ownership, it's any sport that has a salary cap, ownership can only do so much. Now, he did they have, make a stupid comment, the, by the way. Yeah, and now they, they've shown the ability. They're willing to fire people yeah. and make changes. Um, but Dave Scott should probably just stay away from the media as much as possible. <laughs> yeah, here's a prime like, example. If you, need a, 
if you need to put somebody out there, put Holmgren out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he. Here, prime example is he he was asked about the attendance and how nobody's going to the game, and he blamed COVID for the reason that people are not going to these games, which, yes, to an extent, like, you can say COVID has an effect. But then he went on to say that the Sixers are having the same issue, and immediately after he said that, people on Twitter fact-checked him. And I forget, uh, I I would give credit to whoever tweeted it, but I I don't recall. But um, they said the that it's just totally false because the Sixers are averaging 100.7% attendance, which is second in the NBA. And the Flyers are 20th, 20th in the NHL. Yeah. It's, it's not COVID. (laughs) The fly. Yeah. Like, And, and it should be even more of a, statement of how much they suck they suck because philadelphia is a hard place to have fans not show up yeah for a hot for the flyers yeah for the flyers i mean it's, it's, it's amazing really- i'm honestly impressed yeah um i mean it wasn't i will say though it, it was kind of nice i know like people like i said like the crap on Dave Scott, but it, it was nice because he he didn't necessarily have to show his face. You know, he could have let Chuck Fletcher handle that and not be available. You know, he but he he sat there and as brutal as it might have been, he he took it. You know, and like I said, they Dave Scott said they've put a lot of money or they are putting a lot of money into the player development and yep. stuff like that. So Comcast does seem to care. That's those are proven points that Comcast does care. And I know people liked when Ed Snyder, you know, was in charge because, like you said, it felt more personable, and that somebody, one singular person, cared who owned the team. But Ed Snyder didn't necessarily always make the right decision. I mean, for example. You know, and we started to do a uh, segment on it, and we can we'll probably go back to it. But I mean, he signed Ilya Brzgalov to that stupid contract because he didn't like the goaltending. He made a rash decision, and then what do you do? You get rid of Bobrovsky, who then wins the Vesna a couple years later. And then another example is after a three-game losing skid, he got rid of Laviolette. Yeah, you know, like. There were decisions he personally made that it that didn't work, and like people make fun of Jerry Jones for doing the same kind of stuff. Yep, yep. No, yeah, I one hundred percent agree. It's it's a situation that the more you talk about, at least for me, the more I talk about, it, the more I get frustrated with sure. it. It's, it's sure. It's, it's just it's, like there's so much more to it than people like think is. You know, and out of all the teams in Philadelphia, it's the it's the championship I want the most right now. Yeah, I would love I, I to want, see Flyers hockey playoff hockey. I I I want to see playoff hockey. I want to see meaningful playoff hockey. You know, Wells Fargo Center that's packed. I want to see the Flyers. 
Yeah, I want to see the Flyers in the Stanley Cup Finals again. I want to see the Flyers one day hoist the cup. Like, I may legitimately cry the day the Flyers win a cup. Um, but I think what's most frustrating about it is they were so close, so so close at the beginning of the last decade. And you looked at it, and they had this – nice core of players that you thought, hey, we can build around this and maybe win a cup, and they failed to. And now you're looking, and Giroux's coming towards the end of his contract, and it seems like he'll likely be traded, which is, I mean, I, I've had my complaints about Giroux, and it, I question if he is a strong leader, but I've never said he's not a top, the Flyers' best player. He's by far the Flyers' best player. He's the one of the top flyers of all time. I just, I mean, not every player is meant to be a captain at the same time, but it, it's really frustrating as we come to the end of potentially Drew's uh, year, uh, tenure here, whether it's just for a couple months or forever. Uh, it, it's frustrating because he's one of the best flyers ever. And uh, really for the majority of his career, we wasted his, in his time here, uh, especially over the last, uh, five or so years where he's been playing some of his best hockey. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's incredible because you're looking around, you know, and we're seeing Giroux who, who's one of the best players in franchise history. You look at the Sixers, you have Embiid, you know, Bryce Harper just won MVP. You know, like there is talented guys on these rosters. Yep. And I, I tweeted, it's not many for not many sports towns get one MVP in a sport, and uh, and very few have two MVPs at the same time. Yeah. The city of Philadelphia legitimately has one MVP already, and obviously Bryce Harper, and. Joel Embiid seems like he's on his way to winning a MVP himself. Um, uh, all, but the I mean the Phillies wasted Harper's years because they didn't invest enough money where it mattered, and the Sixers seem okay with just letting this season play out with without Trey Simmons, and now. It seems like Embiid's okay with that as well, but I mean, it's just we'll, we'll talk about the Sixers now yeah. next episode since this episode's going long. Um, and one of the things people asked for in uh, changes for the podcast was for podcasts to be shorter. So let let's end this episode here. Uh, any last thoughts on that? Um, I mean, it's just frustrating, you know. Or like, general. yeah, I, I mean, my my biggest thing with the Flyers is just rebuild the right way at this point you know i know they said it's not a three to four or five year thing but like we clearly haven't done something right something wasn't done right along the way and you can't spend your way out of it anymore yeah i i think maybe it's just to humor me but you know that that tiktok trend or oh no yeah oh uh, no 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 yeah 
Well, oh, not that one, but the oh no, our table. Oh yeah, oh no, our table. It's broken. It's broken. That's how I feel about our hockey team right now. Yeah. Yeah. I like there there are things that look promising, like Cam York therapy. Yep. You know, yep. but then there are things you're like Konechny top six to solid top six forward, just not, you know, special. Absolutely. Frost um, the jury's still out on Frost. You know, like, therapy. You think you have something, but you he needs to show more consistency. Yeah, like like literally Atkinson is your him and Drew your best players right now. Yeah, besides and, Hart, I mean we and Hart. And one of the more frustrating things, and, and now that it's his fault, is we've heard so much good about Wade Allison, and every time he gets healthy, he gets hurt again. Yeah, which I mean, I mean he, when he is healthy, he, he makes he, yeah. and gets hurt in the. Like his first period, shift. whatever. Yeah, his first shift. Yeah, like he and he has looked good when he is played. Yeah, it's it, just it a typical. Fun. It's like the Eagles with the blue medical tent. Yeah. That's now awesome. that being said, Dan on that the Flyers did say they were going to look at their uh, medical team, just like the Eagles. Um. So we'll see what happens there. But any <laughs> final thoughts before? No, uh, no, I think that's it. Uh, all right. Maybe well, the Eagles just transferred uh, their medical staff to the Flyers. That, that would make sense, man. <laughs> that would make sense at this point. But I guess with that, we'll end it there. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Cheese Steaks in the Sour Hello. I hope you guys enjoyed our first episode in a little, quite a while. Uh, I think it was a good one. We had a fun one recording this one. Uh, talked about a lot. Still have a lot to talk about with the Sixers and. Uh, we've had requests to talk more about the union, which I, I will be honest, soccer is not my uh, strongest sport, is not my forte. Uh, I do follow it to a degree, but uh, we could definitely talk more about the union going forward here. And um, other than that, um, yeah, uh, thanks everybody for listening to us again. Uh, uh, we're, we're making a lot of changes here in the upcoming weeks with the pod, and we think it's going to be uh, really good going forward for us and hopefully for you listeners as well. Be sure to subscribe to us on Twitter at in the 700 level or sorry at in the 700. Uh, also you can find us on Instagram and TikTok. Um, besides that, um, I think that's all. Just be sure to uh, subscribe to the podcast, review the podcast, leave a like all that fun stuff. We like to say all the time. And uh, until then we'll talk to you guys later. And uh, uh, with the bird season over, I guess let's go Sixers. Here they come. All right. Until next time.